Welcome, everybody, to episode 78 of the Anime Arcade Podcast. This is part two of our reviews. I'm, I'm Jeff, and I'm here with Logan. Yo. And Carlos. What's up? Did you forget who you were for a second there? I was wondering if I wanted to introduce someone else, but then I realized <laughs> it was just the three of us. Jeffrey the Giraffe? Jeff's or- the Terminator. <laughs> Pass it on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, we finished part two, um, we're rounded out the season, uh, I think part two went similarly to part one, I think as far as our reviews went. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, uh, some low lows again, but also some, some high highs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Good stuff. For sure. Yeah, I think we rounded out with a bang in both cases, so, uh. Look forward to it. Listen all the way to the end, for those of you who find yourselves trailing off after two hours. Please don't trail off while you're listening to us. (laughs) Especially if you're driving. Don't do that. Yeah, we know these are long, but we hope you uh, enjoy the conversations that we have. Absolutely. Lots Um, of good stuff to talk about. Indeed. So why don't we let them get to it? Indeed. Enjoy. Yeah, thanks for listening. thing happened a thing what yeah (laughs) things happened did they in the lcs um yeah big things yeah rest in peace north 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 america got out of groups (laughs) yay i'm so happy uh well doesn't c9 usually get out of groups yeah yeah, it'd be nice if the, our first place and second place teams could ever get out of out of groups. But once again, our third place team has uh, has uh, managed to show up on the world stage. So I actually haven't followed it at all. So what's going on? Uh, what happened with Worlds? <laughs> so C9 got placed into what many were referring to as the group of death. Uh-huh. Um, because it had uh, last year's champion, Gen G, formerly Samsung Galaxy. And mm-hmm. it had this year's like number one favorite, favorite and MSI yeah. champion uh, RNG, and uh, plus Vitality, who's a, a very fun European team to watch, um, and who I was <laughs> really really hoping was going to make it out to. And there was a chance that that could have happened, but uh, Genji failed us. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the first they have a weird format this year. The first week. Uh, it didn't look so great for C9 as they went one and two, but so did the rest of the group except for RNG. Um, but man, on a, what was it, Saturday? Um, yeah, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday night? I can't remember anymore. Um, C9 just went on an absolute tear, uh, beating RNG handily. Um, and then in a fantastic game 
against uh, Vitality sealed their uh, trip to uh, groups. So very nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is this is uh, one of the most exciting times for like League of Legends esports, esports in general. I like to think that. Like I watch other other games that I don't play mm-hmm. uh, because I like that that whole tournament setting. I mean, that's why I watch you know uh, the football playoffs and all that stuff is because like this is the most exciting time, and that that's what this is for. For those of you wondering why we are always talking about esports, <laughs> it's because we're fans, yeah. and th- this especially this this time of the year, it's just it's crazy and a lot of fun to watch. And I encourage anybody. Who's even slightly interested to watch it? Because that's that's actually how I got back into League of Legends. Was I found out that you know there was an esports scene and yeah, that's how uh, I got into League of Legends. So, <laughs> that's right. That yeah. And fantasy. I, um, yeah, the fantasy LCS is a lot of fun too. Yeah, but yeah, and then G two made it in this morning, so that's cool. At least EU has one team. They'll probably have Fnatic as well, but we shall see. I think tonight is. Team Liquid's group. Team Liquid. Mm-hmm. So, but they haven't been looking great. So we'll see. No. We'll see how that goes. And they're, they're NA's number one team. I'm just like, come on, guys, please make it out. Yeah, <laughs> do it. Do it for Impact. The the Team Liquid top laner is one of my favorite players. Very nice. Right on. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. That is some exciting stuff, and uh, you know what else is exciting? anime yeah and what about anime uh reviews heck yeah and in what part of the reviews um the bad ones yes <laughs> love that i'm glad you answered first logan because yeah. when he asked what was exciting i was gonna say cocaine but i guess i was wrong <laughs> well um so this is why i'm this is why i'm glad you're here. yeah you know someone has to ground us I've got you. I got I got your shipment though. Thanks. <laughs> For any of you listening out there who might be FBI, we're kidding. Totally kidding. But I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, with reviews. Pocky. We're talking about Pocky, okay? Pocky. Yeah. <laughs> That's our code word. Anyway, but yeah, reviews. So uh this second part of our uh our summer review cast. Uh, last time we're a little we're a little bit um, uh, down on some shows and, and higher on other shows, and I think this one's going to be uh, relatively similar. <laughs> but uh, but we'll see. Why don't you go, ahead, go ahead? and uh, Yeah, kick us off, Carlos. Yeah. Uh, so the first show uh, we're going to be talking about today is one that nobody drafted, but I was really interested in. Uh, it's called Island. Um, this one comes to us from studio feel and i yeah it's a it's a visual novel um adaptation and boy does it feel like one (laughs) uh so we start out island with a uh i don't know i want to say young man but he looks so much older than everyone else uh named uh satoru he washes up on a beach 100 percent completely naked oh and i had to go back because like it had been a while since I'd seen episode one. Um, but you know how, how like sometimes we get like accidental boob grab or yeah. there, there was that one season where we had accidental. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. There, there is that one. I was actually going with uh, Myriad Colors Phantom World where there was uh, accidental uh, like crotch plant. Like oh, where the, yeah, the yeah, dude yeah. like, yeah, it was it was amazing. Uh, well, in this one, uh, 
one of the characters, uh, Karen, um, face plants into his crotch. So, nice. okay, yeah. So, I mean, we we start out there from from that from that high bar, you know, like intellectually high bar. I mean, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, but no, it, it does it does get interesting because um, this island is um, very secluded. Like people aren't allowed. Uh, on the island, I'm pretty sure they're allowed off, but like no one leaves. And there's three like big families that have like run the the island for generations. And um, him saying that his name is Satoru, uh, kind of like uh, one of the girls that finds him, her name is uh, Rine, um, triggers like her not memory, but like kind of memory. She she knows that name from um, how do you say it? Legend, like. He calls her Rene and like just he sees her face and that's the first thing out of his mouth. And the legend of Rene and Satsuna, or in, and I'm sorry, not Satsuna, Setsuna. Setsuna. <laughs> I've been saying it wrong this whole time. I'm so sorry. Someone's yelling at me right now. Yep. Rene and Setsuna. Uh, the the legend is like of this <laughs> brother and sister who fell in love, uh, couldn't be together. It it's a really long and ridiculous like backstory that they eventually exposit at you um where like one of them dies and the other one goes into like some kind of stasis until he can or yeah the, the girl dies Rene dies and Setsuna goes into stasis um uh, hoping to eventually you know come out of stasis when the reincarnation of Rene is is walking the earth again and um they can be incestuous again sweet um <laughs> exactly uh <laughs> but we meet uh, other characters uh sarah is is um pretty much the only member of her line which is one of the other big families uh she's the the like temple priestess uh and uh before mentioned Karen, who is eager to get off the island to find out where her mother went because her mom left the island um and her dad's trying to marry her off to a cop um Little by little, Setsuna, like, starts to unravel these girls, like, mysteries and backstories. Um, again, spoilers, 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 spoilers. Skip ahead if you're going to watch this show. But if you're not, then here we go. Are you gone? Good. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> Karen, um, her backstory, her... I mean, this is one thing. A lot of the mysteries in this show, like, uh, up until, like, the ninth episode, are are pretty... Like you're you're expecting supernatural, mm. and what they give you is super bland. Okay. Um, because Karen's mother uh decides to go and do research on the mainland. Oh, uh, real quick, this is in the night. Like, it takes place in like the '90s, which they don't tell you, but they very subtly like drop hints. And the only reason I knew was like like the whole fashion thing, because like. I think in one of the magazines you could see something about like how Gyaru culture is on the rise and like they ha they're wearing the the big baggy socks and I'm like holy crap we're in the 90s. Um <laughs> I also wondered why nobody had a smartphone but um yeah uh Cotton's mother is like on the mainland um and that's why she wants to go over there. Setsuna takes her there and mom's dead. <laughs> uh hmm. real just kind of they just drop it like there. She's like, yeah, she died. Uh, car accident. Wow, okay. <laughs> and, 
and uh, or like her mom's research assistant like tells her everything about it. They were researching this strange technology that they had found that um, may also be on the island. Um, and so they go back and then it's Sada's turn as Sada thinks, <laughs> if you see a picture of Sada, like a uh, regular Sada, because eventually we get into a, like a time situation and we'll get into that later. But she looks all of like 12 or 13. She's 16 and she's about to be 17. And she thinks that on her 17th birthday, she's going to die because she's kept having this vision of of like fire and the temple and her being much older than she is. Um, it turns out, uh oh, and like, you know, something about like one of the visions, there's like a, a mark on her chest and she has that mark on her chest. It turns out like that vision is just a memory, like a latent memory of her mother from when she was an infant because her mom died protecting her in the their burning uh, temple when she was a kid. But nobody saw fit to tell her that <laughs> or any of her family's history. So she just kind of goes on thinking that she's a, like prophetic and what do you call it? Prophesized her own death. And so she's super surprised when she doesn't die at 17. Really just super odd mystery there. I that one I was like, okay, I was expecting a lot more with that, but not what I got. Um, <laughs> yeah, just no, like I, the, the one, that one kind of blew my mind. Cause I was like, why did nobody tell you anything? Um, and, and they do kind of allude to that. Like one of the, the, uh, Karen's father, like, is constantly trying to find her, but I'm like, you couldn't get a hold of her once to say, Hey, your uncle was an absolute piece of shit, like religious cult leader type dude who was like making people do awful things. And, and so, you know, your mom decided to burn the, I forget what it was. Like somebody did like burnt the temple down and her mom saved her. It's like, no one could tell you that no one could pull <laughs> you aside to say something. Um, and then we get to the, like the big mystery, which again is, you know, like you're thinking that Rene is like the reincarnation of, uh, you know, the, this past prophecy of, of Rene. Um, and major spoilers. Uh, <laughs> we find out that uh, there was another Setsuna, but it wasn't this guy. It was actually... This is going to get really confusing. It was her father's son. So they were technically, you know, like us. Rene and this other Setsuna were, were siblings. They decided to run away. They go to this island. Setsuna gets hurt. Rene kind of takes care of him, like nurses him back to health. And sometime during the process, he sends her back to the island, like to the original island uh, in this um, this machine that they find. They find like this weird ancient place that's full of like incredible technology question mark I, it was really hard to decipher um and he sends her back to the island and and that machine keeps her in stasis so she comes back to the island like years later but just like her old self and that setsuna dies on the island so this setsuna finds out about it and like they go to the island and it jogs her memory and she has this you know huge emotional moment and then as they're leaving the island, a storm hits and Rene dies. Uh, uh, yeah. Make, wow. Yeah. And so Setsuna decides to do the Setsuna thing from the story and puts himself in stasis 
and it goes forward in time to this weird post-apocalyptic future where the entire world is just a snow-covered hell like like an ice ages hit but the island itself is the only place that's you know still safe and they're under some kind of religious uh dictatorship and there's a Sada there now, and she's much older and holy shit, way more stacked. There's a, a, a Rene there, but she's short-haired. Um, and Setsuna shows up there the same way he showed up on the previous island, naked and stuff like that. Um, and Karen in this universe or in this world is is like a, a street urchin who's like trying to steal food because like people who have unregistered children, those children don't get tags untagged people don't get food and yeah it's just it's really weird okay here we go so uh i can't uh the religious authorities um start killing these all these kids and they frame what? Setsuna and friends for for um the death of of the like archbishop who very clearly was killed by one of the religious authorities and somehow the, the crowd is just 100% certain that they did it um, despite Sarah being his daughter the archbishop's daughter and Rene and Setsuna coming from a completely different direction from the gunshot whatever um, <laughs> and so they're sentenced to burn at the stake Rene uh, rescues the group they venture okay so they leave the island venture out into the snowy hellscape on what I don't know, dreams apparently like they're they're, they're imaginary vessel that because you never see it. They go to this this um, uh, like this weird dome thing dome place that's just again full of this ancient technology activated on accident, and on the way Sarah dies because she got she got shot. But it's just, she didn't even get shot. Like she gets grazed by a bullet on the leg, and somehow between escaping the island and making it to the tundra, they never once think to bandage her wound, so she just bleeds to death. <laughs> and then they bury her in the snow. And I'm, I'm not sure if anybody out there knows this. I'm from Cal- I mean I, I'm from California, and I know this. You can't dig in the snow without some serious equipment that. That ground is frozen solid, and without any kind of tools, they bury her and place a little like like landmark for her. Um, <laughs> oh my oh yeah, god! I, I completely forgot about soup blind soup soup blind syndrome. Some kind of weird sun disease. It's vaguely explained. Some people on the island get it. Well, this version of Karen gets it. Uh, Karen gets it, and she she dies of her disease. Um, and again, okay, so. She gets the disease while they're at the domed, like, technology place. He, uh, Setsuna takes her back to the island where a doctor's like, yo, man, she's already dead. She's been dead on, probably been dead on your back for a while now. And he takes her back to the tundra and buries her right next to Saro, again, without any equipment. Um, huh. Rene finds out, like, Rene, like, they... They find out that like some of the stuff that they were working with might have been a time machine, and uh, Setsuna wants to to like he knows he has to protect somebody, 
He just doesn't know who. It's Rene from the original story. Follow me here. Come on. Keep, keep up with I'm me. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, so, this is interesting. <laughs> so he marries Rene from this timeline and, uh, well, he fucks her. There's actually softcore. It was actually kind of nice. And uh, <laughs> But then again, they all kind of look pretty young except for Setsuna, who's still pretty young but doesn't look as young anyway. Um, and he goes back to the past but now he's got all the foreknowledge like he remembers everything now okay. and uh uh he he in like some of the last episodes he fixes everything that was fixed in the original just way better he's less of a an idiot in this one or this time around i guess and it turns out that rene's mother is the rene he knew from way back in the past and rene from the present is his daughter. Wait a minute. That, yeah. Okay. So, wait. wait, Rene- wait. <laughs> what? No. Okay. Wait. I'm lost. I, I thought I was okay. following, and now I'm lost. Okay. <laughs> Rene from Rene from the post-apocalyptic future. Okay. Is, is actually past Rene. It, it. Oh no. Rene from the post-apocalyptic future followed him in time, but okay. she woke she went up. Too far? She woke up a lot sooner. Okay. And so she woke up, <laughs> she was pregnant with his kid. So the oh, Rene no. that we had been following from beforehand that, you oh, know, no. and I'm not going like, okay, so she took the name of Kuan because, and there's this whole stupid backstory that the father of, you know, the, this powerful family was like, Hey, my wife died. And I, like, I don't have any other kids. So screw it. You're my wife. I'm going to start calling you by her name now. And that kid is now mine. Um, whatever. So technically, you know, Rene and Setsuna, you know, the Setsuna who died and all that uh-huh. stuff, they weren't technically brother and sister, whatever. But Kuan throughout the show had been asking whether or not him and Rene had had sex. And I mean, explicitly asking, like through little notes under, the, under her door, like, you've been actively encouraging your husband from technically the past. Okay. And, and this is another thing. They're not technically time travelers. So they're they're not technically I'm so sorry they're not going they're not going back in the past they're not going back they're technically time travelers, but th- that machine it doesn't it doesn't send anything back it just keeps you in stasis so apparently the world is just on this never ending fucking cycle where shit happens over and over and over and over and over again, um, like the same way, um, which is just so stupid. Why would there wow. be a fossil record of this? I'm sorry, that's me injecting you know, real world nonsense into this. So does he end up banging his daughter or something? He, or? Okay. So he doesn't. Okay. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop the fact that Kuan's like, like at the, like even at the very end, she's like, I gave her my name. I want her to have happiness and all this stuff. So even towards the end, she's still kind of telling him, please, you know, <laughs> like take the daughter. And he's like, no, I don't care if you're older than me at this point. You know, I still want you, et cetera, et cetera. So it does have a happy ending in that way. Like, okay. you know, they get together. They actually do get married at the very end. But it's just like the whole ride and the the, the time travel explanation is so I, underwhelming. I just, mm-hmm. especially since, again, like it's it's not like anything changes. It's just like after thousands of years, the the earth wipes out humans and then humans re-evolve all over again and completely spread throughout the world. And, you know, like everything happens in the exact same manner, just over and over again, apparently. Um, uh, hmm. 
which again, why wouldn't this be in the fossil record? Uh, but I guess that's that's me in, inserting real world logic into this. <laughs> um, yeah, I like towards the like uh, it, towards the middle. I was really underwhelmed by this show. I picked it back up uh, to see how it ends. The end. I mean, it's more interesting than I thought it was going to be. But they're like the decisions made by characters are still really, really bad. And I don't know the 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 time travel explanation is just bad, just <laughs> terrible in my opinion. And like, where did the ancient technology come from? Why does it persist? Like, why doesn't it ever decay? What is it made of that it cannot be physically dissolved? How can or they dig in ice? <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's the that's the big one, isn't it? It is. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I can't I can't give this show more than a two, and it only gets a it only gets a two because the ending was at least more interesting than than the first half of it. But it really, really is just not a great show, in my opinion. Um, I I honestly wouldn't recommend it um, unless you really, really like visual novel adaptations. It just sounds so convoluted. It and, um, so is. I mean, I don't know. Just for a show to have that much going on with it, it needs to execute pretty well. And uh, I don't know. It doesn't sound like it did as well as it so, needed to. <laughs> you know, just hot tip. If you end up in the future older and, you know, your uh, husband actually or wife, because they were married, they did have like a little wedding ceremony. Um comes in their younger self don't encourage them to have sex with your child <laughs> uh, good advice yeah that's the that's the advice i i took from this really weird <laughs> <laughs> cool island huh oh boy island okay well yeah how do i even follow that up <laughs> <laughs> I probably didn't need to describe everything, but I, I just felt I, like everybody needed to know. Yeah, no, I definitely needed that. Otherwise, I don't know. I would probably be more lost than I am right now. But <laughs> that's okay. Uh, next up, we have Grand Blue Dreaming, or I think it's everywhere else it's just called Grand Blue, but I'm going to call it Grand Blue Dreaming because there's too many things named Grand Blue. I don't want to confuse people. Um, this is an anime about a guy named Iori Kitahara, who is uh, going to college at Izu University, which is kind of like a uh, a coastal college. I don't remember exactly where. It doesn't really matter. Um, and he has like these ideas in his head about what he wants his college life to be. Um and those are immediately shattered when he arrives at his uncle's diving shop where he's going to be staying as naked men are everywhere. <laughs> so uh, many naked dudes. So many naked dudes. Um, and <laughs> so he gets semi-forced into joining the diving club. Um, and the rest of this anime is just like a drunken nightmare. Um, <laughs> did you drop this one, Carlos? Or did you? I, yeah, I, I made it like two or three. Ep I think yeah. two episodes in, and I was I like, I, I can't. I, I wish I could have stopped. I no, you know what? I did stop at the third episode. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's 
if you like just like absurd um over the top comedy that's focused around drinking, then this is the show for you. Uh but I don't think it really has much else to offer other than that. Um the characters were all right. Um Iori was bad and his uh I don't know if I would call him his friend, but his like uh, rival. <laughs> his rival Kohei, uh who's like a an otaku who <laughs> I, I think I mentioned this in the uh, first impressions, but his uh life goal is to have a a harem of high school girls um but he's in college so <laughs> it's kind of uh impossible for him to have that um he's also bad um uh the girls are pretty cute chisa who's kind of like the the main girl who's a quiet bookish type who's also in the diving club um she's all right uh, a lot of the humor seems to be about making her mad and then her beating up Iori. Then there's uh, the rest of the girls in the club. There's uh, a girl named Aina who was, you know, came to college in a similar fashion, hoping for this wonderful experience and uh, kind of fell into the, the trap of catering to others, like, you know, trying to fit in uh, whatever the cost and ended up becoming the laughing stock of the tennis club. Uh, she dropped out and eventually joined the diving club due to uh, some cool things that Iori did say um, about, you know, getting the last laugh is more fun than being the laughing stock of, you know, these people you're trying to uh, impress. Um, there's Azusa, who's like a, a kind of a free spirited girl who has no problem just, walking around in her bra um i guess that's the main thing about the show is like people just don't care about clothes uh (laughs) there's so much censored dick it's incredible i never thought i would see an anime with this much censorship um of the male variety (laughs) um wow yeah there it's like 95 percent of the show is about getting drunk and doing stupid stuff uh, and then five percent of the show is about actually diving and i wish they had spent more time actually focusing on the diving because every time that they actually did go and dive i, I really enjoyed what i uh was you know the, the little bit that i got from that but yeah i just i'm sure people really like the show because it's you know funny the humor did nothing for me though um I mean, this has an 8.4 on my anime list for what that's worth. And <laughs> that is not what I'm going to be giving this show. Yeah, that is pretty high. Yeah. Uh, I just did not like it. I If I could have dropped it at three episodes, I probably would have dropped it after the first episode, honestly. But I had to stick it out. And I'm going to give it a 1.5. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I feel oh. bad for taking up so much time with Island. <laughs> no, I'm glad because I really didn't have much to say about Grand Blue. Yeah. I've got one this episode that I'm not going to have much to say about too, so don't feel bad. Uh, well, before we get to that one, um, the next one is one that I drafted uh, out from under you, Logan. You did? Um, it's uh, We Rent Tsukumogami 
it's the anime that takes place in uh, the Edo period, which is why I was interested in it. Uh, from Telecom Animation Film. Uh, it takes place, again, in Edo era uh, Japan, in Edo itself, uh, following uh, Seiji and Oko, who run a, uh, like, um, almost like a furniture and knickknack rental shop. Yeah. Uh, and they they have a number of items in their possession uh, that are Sukumogami, which are, if you remember from, uh, I think it was just called Sukumogami, right? The, uh, yeah. The Etchy show that was fantastic. Um, you'll remember that, uh, that uh, a Sukumogami is an item that is um, very, very old and very well taken care of, and thus it gains this spirit and it's able to um, talk and move around and stuff like that outside of the prying eyes of, of humans, of course, because, um, I don't know, that'd just be silly. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so essentially Seiji's really smart. Um, okay. He's good at deductive reasoning, um, for the most part. And Oko just kind of keeps him in line. Uh, they're not technically brother and sister. As a matter of fact, they're not really, blood related at all uh, oko is um the niece of seiji's adopted father seiji was so not related uh by blood but um oko uh comes under her uncle's care when her uh father's uh, business burns to the ground uh, and he passes away so they run uh izumoya the and People kind of come to them uh, with problems and they kind of just walk around like in gossip mode trying to figure out what, what happened or what's going on. And after they can't figure it out, they'll rent out the Sukumogami that they have and the Sukumogami will eavesdrop on the places that they're at. And then when they're when they retrieve their rental items, the Sukumogami will talk very loudly in the next room and Seiji and Oko will hear it and deduce what's going on. And that is every single <laughs> episode. Every one of them is that. And like they do try to paint like an overarching narrative. Um, Oko was once uh, being not really courted, but like this kind of richer guy named Satoru was, was, you know, saying that he wanted to marry Oko, even though he was already in an arranged marriage with another woman. Um, however, uh, a incredibly expensive incense burner uh, called the Suo uh, that he was given um, is stolen, and everybody thinks that Satoru uh, had it, you know, pretend stolen so that he could sell it off and so that he could uh, abscond with Oko. Uh, and so Satoru leaves Edo in kind of shame and disgrace. And Oko kind of wants to find out, A, what happened to the incense burner, and, and B, you know, what happened to Satoru. And that's, like, every mystery that they go through, like, is is somehow linked to that. Like, <laughs> they, they gain little bits of knowledge uh, from that. And Seiji's worry is... He's, you know, very clearly got a thing for Oko is that she's trying to get with Satoru. Um, and by the end, 
uh, spoilers, but I mean, really just, I wouldn't recommend this show. Uh, spoilers. Um, Oko, uh, like at the very end, like does want to find the Suo, but really, I don't know, just to like lay everyone's mind at ease. It turns out that Satoru's fiance, like his, you know, arranged bride, like stole it herself and hid it in her warehouse to punish him. Okay. But he was driven into exile. So she was, you know, really sad after that or whatever. Um, and Seiji figures this out and eventually uh, he finds Satoru like very last episode and Satoru still, you know, got a thing for Oko, but uh, by the end, Oko's, you know, really into Seiji, which I just, I didn't see up until like the last few episodes. <laughs> I mean, they, they have a chemistry, but it really is a brother sister chemistry. And unless that kind of chemistry is the chemistry you're going for in a, in a potential partner, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um, yeah, I was. Uh, I didn't end up sticking with this one just because I didn't have the time to do it. Um, but I like my one complaint from the few episodes I did watch were that uh, I I wish that uh, <clears throat> they were not, you know, cast as brother and sister in quotes, but that they were cast as, you know, husband and wife or fiance and you know fiance or whatever. So. I'm glad that, uh, to hear that it got there in the end. That makes me happy, but yeah, yeah. The, the rest of the show just, I don't know. It, it was, it, it was very formulaic. And after a while, I just like, and I like, you know, the laid back, like calmer shows. And some of the characters were really compar- compelling just for me, not Seiji and Oko. Hmm. Like Oko just like her only role was to like be the mom and, you know, whip Seiji in line and Seiji for his part, like by the time you you had already figured out like what was going on, it took Seiji so long. <laughs> uh, but there were some really interesting characters with some really like interesting stories that just weren't the main characters. And then again, when every episode is let's fix this by you know sending in the Sukumogami. Uh, I mean, it, it's like it's like that point in, in Scooby Doo where you know this is the point where they catch him. It has to be because the episode's almost over. It was just like that. All right. I'm getting close to using the Sukumogami. Here it comes. And there it is. Um, which is unfortunate because I was really looking forward to it. And it looks really good. Mm-hmm. Like very, very vibrant colors uh, in an era where you really don't think about vibrant colors. You know, like seven, like 16 to 1700s, maybe even into the 1800s. Yeah. I'm not really thinking vibrant colors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just I, I can't really recommend the show unless you really want to see that romance come to fruition, but there's so much better out there. Maybe <laughs> just maybe just not in this period, I guess. Yeah. I'm trying to think of one. I'm coming up Ibiyasha. blank. I mean, it's not really in this period. I know. But, uh, <laughs> Rurouni Kenshin? Is that it, It's not bad. It's not bad for this, for some of the, oh, yeah, I guess Rurouni Kenshin. Um Although that one is kind of sad if you watch the, the last movie. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, I mean, if you really want to want, want like a calm show, like this is one. There are some kind of tense moments, but not really. Um, yeah, 
I'd, I'd probably give this a, a 2.5 out of 5. Okay. Like a shame. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think you would like it. I really yeah. do think. I, I think you'd probably rate it higher than I would. You probably you'd probably have given it a three or a three point five, probably a three. Yeah. But probably just because Oko's so cute. She is cute. <laughs> but by the end, I was like, just tell him you like him. Just one <sighs> of you say you like the other one. Good lord, this is taking forever. Do they say it? Not really. Not really. I mean, yeah. the, the the feeling is definitely there by the end, but okay, no, not really. <laughs> you don't get that that nice relief. For shame. Okay, Jeff. Alrighty. It's my turn. Uh, I get to talk about the third season of Free uh, Swimming Boys. Um, so I just want to start by saying, because I'm going to probably sound pretty low on this show, and I just want to start by saying this is clearly a show that is made for the people who really, really liked the first two seasons. Uh, I mean, we're in the third season at this point. Um, so if you are one of those people and you're listening to this, try to cut me some slack here because <laughs> I'm going to be low on the show because quite frankly, I wasn't a huge fan of free in the first two seasons. Um, and, uh, I was kind of hoping the third season would give me something a little different and, uh, you know, it's kill Annie. So I was looking forward to the, the beauty that they bring to the table and it certainly was beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Free was gorgeous. The, the water effects, it just blows my mind what kill Annie can do with this stuff. But, um, what also kind of blows my mind is just that they they did. I mean, they took a show like Free Third Season, which I felt like was really empty as far as storyline, um, and made it look so beautiful. I can't imagine it was cheap to do that. So the, the popularity of the show must uh, must be worth it. But essentially, uh, we're we're in college now with the main characters. Um, uh, Haru is in college in Tokyo, and he uh, he's kind of cast of friends that he swam with in high school or here basically spread around in a lot of cases. And, uh, there's just a lot of characters in the show, a lot of characters I didn't remember. Um, and I felt like there wasn't a lot of direction because of that, because you just have constantly switching scenes between all these different characters and what they're up to and talking really. Um, and that was one of my biggest issues with free is it's a show about swimming and there was very little swimming. Um, you had a lot of talking next to the pool and talking at restaurants and talking in cars <laughs> and talking in hallways, but I didn't get a lot of swimming in free, um, which was disappointing because I think that was what I really loved about the original season. And, um, the, 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 it was, you know, it felt more like a sports anime, uh, which this one did not, this felt like a melodrama with a bunch of characters who, um, just for, I don't know, a lot of, a lot more, um, uh, a lot more yaoi tension between mm. the characters as well, which I don't remember being so much the case in the first season. Um, I mean, if you're into yaoi, uh, I would say this wouldn't even be that exciting for you because nothing really happens. There's just that kind of teasing constantly throughout the show, uh, that the characters are going to kiss or do something together. I mean, they're always <laughs> half naked and, um, nothing ever really happens. They just kind of stare at each other longfully in the eyes. The, one of the main things here was like Haru's, uh, you know, apparently his middle school crush slash rival slash friend. I don't know. There was a lot of, um, there was a lot of things going on between Haru and, uh, Ikuya where they were really tense together. But, um, <laughs> 
I don't, I don't really have too much to say about the show, honestly. I, I thought it was super melodramatic. I felt like there wasn't much direction. I really, by the time we got to like three quarters of the way through, when we finally started getting some swimming and some um, people facing off against each other, I just didn't care anymore. Uh, so... Um, beautiful show. The opening was really awesome, actually. Uh, it, you know, good, good music. Um, KyoAni did a great job with what they had, I guess. But um, this wasn't a show that I enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> Any questions? Uh no. <laughs> free season three. I, I don't have too much more to say about it honestly i just don't feel like much happened in this show I, I felt like most of the time i was just bored kind of watching these guys stand around talking about how um they uh how they couldn't believe that so-and-so got this great time or how this person was so good at swimming freestyle and this person was you know um uh I can't believe it. Did you see him? He just walked down the hall. I can't believe he's here. <laughs> like, <laughs> just a bunch of nonsense, man. It, um, so yeah, Was there at I, least I like have... a big, like, are they at least building towards something like a big tournament or something? <sighs> yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know. By the end of it, I didn't really care. <laughs> just, um, there was, there was some, there was some decent little face-offs, uh, leading into the end of the show. And, um, there wasn't really a resolution, so I guess there's going to be some more. Um, but I, I won't be looking. I won't be looking forward to it or drafting it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so free, I think, great for free fans. There's a lot of fan service in there, and if you're um, if you're a huge fan of free, this probably is awesome. Uh, but for someone like me who was just kind of hoping for a decent sports show uh, done by Kyoani, uh, definitely stay away from free third season um i'll give it because it was so pretty and had a good opening and uh probably caters really well the free fans i'll give it a two give it a what a two two okay sorry free fans not doing so well guys (laughs) (laughs) it's been a rough season for us i'm sure it's been a great season for others not so much for us but that's Um, okay let's hope things start to turn around yeah, so speaking of third seasons of things, uh, the third season of Overlord has come and gone, and I have been watching it uh, since the beginning. It's it's still one of my favorite fantasies just because I like the, the idea of the uh, uh, evil, quote-unquote evil races in fantasy settings, you know, being the uh, protagonist, so I uh, got another season of that. Um, we start out this season... Uh, back in Karn Village, which um, you and I will be forgiven for having completely forgotten because it's been a long time since we've seen it. It's one of the first first places <laughs> uh, Momon goes as his... Uh, actually, no, he's Momonga when he, when he saves that village. Yeah, it's one of the first places he goes outside of the tomb uh, when he decides to, to venture out and, and see what the world is like. And uh, he saves a girl named Enri and... Uh, we follow her in the very, very beginning. Uh, Enri is now kind of leading the village. She's actually in this um, season. She's uh, elected to chief of the village. Uh, and the village is still kind of working towards making health potions for Momonga. Or Ainz, I should say. Uh, Ainz, like, 
like this village has an alchemist who can make the closest thing to red potions, which are like, I guess, the most potent. So he's got, you know, people that are working on it. And in this season, there's actually like he sent um, other races to go help defend them. So we get possibly the broiest goblins in I've ever seen. <laughs> like it, these goblins are like they're all dudes and they're all built and they're all short and they're all bros. Just like <laughs> like they love they love like helping out and stuff like that. They even call Henry like boss or something like that. Like like a yakuza. <laughs> they are the broiest of goblins. Uh and and they eventually um they eventually recruit ogres as well. Uh, into their their little cohort so so this town is like being defended like at first the humans are like wary about you know these other races in their midst but um after they're attacked by uh forces outside of the forest and they successfully stave them off the people are much more inclined to uh, a follow Henry's rule and, and b you know they're they're more accepting of the the goblins and the goblins and uh, other evil races actually help out like in farming and stuff like that. It's really kind of a neat little dynamic they got going. Um, and then uh, we get into like in this show, like Eins is still, still retains, you know, his human mind. Like when he's thinking like his, his aides, uh, these like super, like they were super OP, NPCs that worked in his his guilds like guild hall um like now they're all you know alive and stuff like that uh they all think that he is trying to like dominate the world uh, one in particular i think it's demiurg um you know says ah i figured out your your master plan master and like goes on to tell everybody and like like eins is like yes please you know, enlighten the rest of them since you're so smart. <laughs> and <laughs> like, this is how he's finding out what they expect of him. And he's like, yeah, you're clearly, you know, using this, you know, small human village, not just as like an alchemical base, but like, you know, dipping your toe into world domination and all this stuff. And what sets all this off is a uh, a powerful empire um, like hears about uh Ainz is like the the Nazarene tomb and they send a like this host of adventuring parties and they all go there and Ainz fucking destroys them <laughs> and it's it's kind of sad because we do follow this one party that's supposed to be you know like oh they're all like bros and stuff like that and like really cool together and like um one of them is this uh girl that like they give us they give her like a very brief backstory it's like a one episode little little tiny thing in one episode where it's like she was part of a noble family in this empire but the current emperor like really cracked down on corruption and her parents were kind of like they still have their estates and stuff like that but they're no longer technically quote-unquote nobles so she's trying to get up money because she's like look we're gonna have to save while her parents are you know throwing their money around like they were still nobles um and she comes back home and like, she's got, like, these two really cute little, like, twin sisters who she's like, I'm going to take you with me. And they're like, oh, we can't wait to go with you. Please come back safe and alive and not dead. <laughs> um, and so, of course, when she's part of this adventuring troupe, when she gets fucking annihilated, 
uh, along with her cohort because Momoka is like, no, you're like, this is the one thing I cannot allow to happen. I cannot allow my aides to see, you know, uh, our tomb being defiled by human feet. Like, I will not survive. So all of them die. And she, like, she pulls the, um, oh, crap, what was his name? He pulls the pulls the the fate zero bluebeard thing where he's like, yeah, sure, go ahead, get going, and she flies off. And now it turns out she wasn't allowed to leave. Shaltier went and killed her. Oh man, uh, yeah, it was pretty brutal. And then of course at the end we get the little ending shot of the again adorable little twins being like, can't wait till sister comes and gets us and takes us away from our parents. Oh no, and I'm like. I mean, I want to be sad, but I mean, you just you just dropped them off. I mean, I'm sure they're going to come like we're eventually going to have like a time skip season where it's like years into the future. And now these girls have sworn vengeance on Ainz and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, as retribution for this, because, you know, they, these um, because Ainz and his his followers found out where these uh, um, adventures came from. They actually attack the Empire. Like, not even really an attack. They just go in, like, in a show of force. And they're like, you know, the Empire's like, well, what do you want? And he's like, I want this land. Just this land. This contested land between you and another kingdom that you're constantly warring over. <laughs> and so he's like, sure. So the very last few episodes are, like, a battle between um, uh, the forces of the Empire and and uh, this kingdom and with but the empire has Ainz with them. Uh, the prince of this kingdom like goes after Henry's Henry's uh, village, and uh, they're rebuffed by a super OP item that he gave Henry. That like she blows on this horn, and a literal goblin army comes out of it. <laughs> and so yeah, she had this like like goblin army just decimate the prince's army. Um, and then during the the battle proper, you know, the big head on head. Ein summons these gigantic, multi-headed, tentacled monstrosities. Uh, like I think, like something like seven of them. The way he does it, he like it's. I think it's super cool. He like sends <laughs> out like this black oot. Like the the uh, kingdom's army comes charging. Like they send like I don't know one unit, like a bunch of dudes charging. He sends out this black ooze, and they, it just sucks the life out of all of them. They just fall over dead. And then these monstrosities come up, and he rampages and. Um, eventually he stopped by like, not stopped literally, but like a, a man he really respects the, the head warrior of the, the kingdom who he had met before in season two, um, like challenges him to a duel and out of respect for him, he's like, all right, I'm going to stop killing all your soldiers. Just your kingdom has to concede this bit of land to me. Like, you know, I told you so at the, at the end of this. I think he, no, actually, I take that back. I think he actually took the kingdom because, like, at the end of it, he's in their palace or in a palace. I don't know. It's, it's kind of unclear. But, uh, and he's he's essentially put himself on the map. So he now is a, you know, a, a, a leader on the world stage. Everybody knows his face. Like, he's he's taken off the mask and everybody knows he's like a scary skeleton dude underneath the mask. And But he still has the armored persona of Momon. Uh, which I think is interesting because he can project himself like he can project a, you know, I don't know, like an illusion or something or something was going on. But um, yeah, so I, I'm really curious, like where he's going with it or if he even knows himself where he's going with it, because there there are times when this character is 
very decisive and you know the the you know evil lord that you expect that like a character like that to to speak like and then other times we're inside of his head and it's like oh you're just a terrified otaku who's still stuck in this world so it's unclear how much of that is still lingering within him but it's pretty clear that he's really gotten over killing people just super (laughs) super gotten over killing people um or killing things in general uh this this season i was a bit higher on it than the than the last season um not just because there wasn't any lizard sex, although I know a lot of people would probably like joke, <laughs> probably because there's no lizard sex, huh? Yes, yes, and no. Um, uh, yeah, a, a lot of uh, it's just a lot of uh, a lot more happens in this season, I think, and and like the fact that like if we are getting another season, we now get to look forward to I mean, Einstein Gold being a world leader and seeing how he reacts and like because now he he can't move in the shadows and stuff like that. Uh, except for with his persona, uh, but or his alternate persona. But um, yeah, I really like the season. The only thing that would keep me from giving this a really good score is, man, does the CG look bad in this in this season? <laughs> the the goblin army in particular looked god awful. Um, I mean the the human army they all just look like faceless soldiers. And I mean, I guess that's fine or whatever for a CG. Cause you can't animate that many people without killing yourself. But yeah, the CG in this show, especially towards the end, just takes a complete nosedive. And, and the ogres don't look too great at the beginning of the season either. Um, but I mean, I, I guess, you know, you sacrifice what you have to, to, uh, to get the scale, you know, to get the feeling of scale. Um, but I think uh, just for having, Goblin Bros alone, this show gets a 3.5 out of 5 this season, nice. I should say. Okay. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, some questionable decisions, but uh, but overall, a good show. Gob Bros. Gob Bros. <laughs> Seriously, I want to hang out with those goblins and be their friend. They're so, <laughs> they're so cool. Uh, We've got a couple, uh, two, two of the shows I drafted actually have goblins in them this season, so. Oh, the yeah, second one does. Yeah, and they're super weak. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about the other one. Um, but uh, so this next show is also mine. Uh, I actually drafted this one. I didn't draft Overlord. I'm not sure if I said that uh, or not. But I did. I did draft this show, right? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Sorry, I had a momentary <laughs> lapse in memory. Uh, studio for uh, studio for this one is Xpec, and it is Yuna and the Haunted Hot Springs, a show. I very much loved um, because it's an etchy harem. Now, hear me out. <laughs> hear me out, listeners. I'm hearing you. <laughs> Remember that a few of the etchy harems I've had recently have been fucking awful. <laughs> so, either that or just not great. Whereas this one goes back to formula, and I really appreciate that. All I need in an etchy harem are. A group of girls or dudes. I like reverse harems. Remember, I actually really liked um, uh, Kiss Me, Not Him. Hmm. Or Kiss Him, Not Me. Sorry, wrong way around. Yeah. Flubbed. I'm anyway. done with those as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like just group of, you know, uh, in this case, uh, females who just want this one guy's dick. And then everything else is is comedy around it. I don't need, you know, mind-blowing storyline it's just fun. Um, and I appreciated the fact 
that they really were just going for episodic fun. Uh, there was somewhat of an overarching narrative, but, but let's get into the characters first. Uh, so we start out with uh, Kogarashi. And Kogarashi is this high school kid who doesn't really look like a high school kid. Uh, but uh, all throughout his his childhood uh, and his early years, he um, he's like a spiritual medium. But like like early on, he doesn't have control of it. So he's constantly being possessed as a kid. Um which like he's got like throughout the show, he, like he has these skills and everyone's like, wow, how do you know how to do that? And he's like, well, I was possessed by, I don't know, I was possessed by a, a sushi chef for a little while. And that's why I know how to you know, cook fish really well or something like that. Um, so, yeah, he was possessed so much that like during his middle school years, he decided to undergo, un- undergo, undergo uh, training you know, in like spiritual arts. So now he's like a super strong medium and he can uh, exercise ghosts with just a, like one punch. Like he just punches them with this like spirit power and boom, there's, they ascend to heaven. Um, and so he goes to this hot spring, hot spring uh, because the rent there is cheap because everybody knows it's haunted. And he's like, well, I'm a medium who gives a shit. Um, <laughs> so he shows up to the room or to the, the place and, and the, the uh, I guess, the owner, proprietor, uh, Nakai, shows him to his room uh, where he meets Yuna, who is the ghost of a young woman who died at the hot springs. And we're still not sure how. Uh, at least I don't remember if they say how. I don't know. Uh, but he can't bring himself to, uh, Kogarashi can't bring himself to exercise her uh, because he figures you know she's not hurting anybody she's and she's you know obviously was a good person so he wants to find out what her lingering business on earth is and uh have her ascend that way you know through resolving her lingering uh desire lingering guilt or whatever it was um through this like we meet uh the other denizens of the hot springs uh there's yaya who is a cat girl um who hangs out with a cat god. Uh, it's just a giant cat. Um, there's uh, Sagiri, who is herself a, a spirit and demon hunter, but like only bad ones, I guess, not the ones at this particular hot spring. Um, there's Nonoko, who is actually the uh, ancestor, I want to say, of Shuten Doji, so fake go fans. <laughs> just... <laughs> Just uh, she's a lot more stacked than the fake go shooting toji, hmm. uh, and she's also she's also like so she's an oni, but she's also a mangaka, which is okay. pretty okay. Uh, Nakai, I forget what her backstory was. If I remember correctly, she's some kind of immortal. Like she, because she she never grows up uh, like past where she's at, and she just keeps going to middle school. Uh, over and over again because she's never going to grow up. I for, like I believe they said what she was, but forgive me, I, it slipped my mind. Um, there are like for the most part, it's episodic. There is one little mini arc. Uh, like it's weird because it's not even at the end. It's like mm, towards the end, but in the middle where Yuna gets taken in by a dragon god, and the dragon god's like, "I can make you my wife because I'm a dragon god and I can do things like that." Um, and you know. Uh, Yuna doesn't want to, so uh, the, and he's just, like, the dragon god is, like, the biggest otaku, so, like, all he really wants out of her is to dress up in cosplay. <laughs> um, 
and and so uh, Kogarashi and the girls uh, get together to to break her out. And that's a that's a couple episode like little arc, um, where we learn that Kogarashi's spiritual power is so great that he could punch the dragon god, like and knock him out and like knock memories out of his head. <laughs> and they convince the dragon god that that Yuna ascent like was so happy that she was married to the dragon god that she ascended to heaven. <laughs> and so he stops pursuing her. However, his attendant, Oboro, who is, you know, I guess part of this dragon god family, uh, decides that she wants her family's legacy to be secure and Kogarashi's strong. So if she has a kid with Kogarashi, then she'll provide a, a strong male heir for, for, I don't know, this dragon line. I really appreciated her character because she reminded me of Zenobia from High School DxD. <laughs> Uh, she's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, like other than that, just it's a really fun, etchy harem with just a ton of steam. So look forward to the Blu-ray version. <laughs> just so, so much steam. Steam for days. Um, so we can we can ascertain that the Blu-ray version is going to be a lot of fun. That's uh, probably how I will watch it. Same with How Not to Summon the Demon Lord. <laughs> Given all that... Um, and and like like I said, I was I was really high on it because it gave me something I haven't had before. Just like back to basics, edgy harem. I'm gonna give this one a four out of five. Nice. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and I would love another season, but I sincerely doubt we're getting one. We're doing it, boys. We're back up. Yeah, <laughs> yay! It's coming up. Right on. All right. I think. Uh... I think this next one is going to be probably from the same. Uh, it's it's like a climb. It's like a gradual climb right here, right? <laughs> um, Angle Moise. This was one that I kind of snatched out from under you, Carlos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the story about the Mongols invading Japan, um, and this this was a show. I was kind of in the mood for something. Uh, uh, historical, hopefully some kind of a war thing, some action, and uh, I was not disappointed with Anglemoise because it gave us it gave us quite a bit of action and an awful lot of war for quite a while. And I need a second because somehow I closed my anime list tab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you yeah, no, it, it, like yeah, like you said, it 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 really did touch like quite a bit on the history. I, I'm not 100 percent um, like a very good with uh with with this period in japanese history but i love the, the way they got the um a lot of the the armor of the time right especially for the mongols like mongol armor was so weird looking uh, yeah they were definitely they i mean very distinct the, the hair the hairstyles of the time i mean just like everything the only thing i could have hoped for with this one i really wish that they had gotten like some mongolian talent to to speak in Mongol, like that would have been cool. Yeah. yeah, because it was really annoying. Like, I mean, and, and you know, sometimes you have to do this, and and like they do it in English media all the time, where we just have to suspend disbelief and pretend that they're speaking two different languages when it's like that Mongol leader is very clearly speaking Japanese. Uh, yeah, through, yeah, through that, the that. translator who's also speaking Japanese. Right. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, because you you forget that they're speaking different languages a lot of the time. Um, so yeah, there were several scenes where you'd have a Mongol speaking to a Japanese and uh, 
you just assumed they could understand each other and because they're speaking the same language <laughs> in the yeah. show. But um, so basically the show starts with actually a group of, um, I guess, uh, just a ragtag group of criminals uh, exiles. crashing their boat. Yeah, exiles um, crashing their boat on this island. Tsushima. Uh, thank you, Tsushima. I was trying to, that's what I was actually looking for here. <laughs> um, um, so the island of Tsushima, they, they crash their boat and they end up getting, uh, taken in kind of by this, this, uh, this town. Um, and the, they, I, I'm having trouble thinking back now to the beginning of this. Were they put in, in prison? Well, so they were sent as, um, as exiles, like they were all, they all had some kind of criminal thing or either that or they were deposed nobles. Um, uh-huh. So they were all sent uh, to this island. I mean, obviously they would have been killed, but uh, whoever, you know, was in charge of their sentencing, probably the emperor, as we find out a little later, um, uh-huh. uh, whoever was put in charge of their sentencing uh, sent them instead to this island as kind of a backup force uh, because they were very sure like that the mongols were coming like it was it was inevitable that that the mongols were going to be on their way um so what do you call it the these guys are sent there they're not really like they're kind of put in prison they're put in in a like a a kind of prison but like they break out very easily like some of them do right, some yeah. of them, some of them leave some of them stay um and they like uh, our our lead guy uh, Jinzaburo, because you hear that name all the time. Um, <laughs> Jinzaburo. <laughs> yeah, Jinzaburo. Yeah, that's not, the, probably the most spoken word in, in the show. Yeah, uh, he, he he like is a former general and <laughs> loves combat, so he sticks around, starts mapping out the island, and like actually tells the shogun. Or not the shogun. I'm sorry. That's that's stupid. The shogun's like the leader of Japan. He tells the the daimyo of this area, um, "Hey, you're not ready for this. Uh, you don't have enough men." And and the daimyo kind of laughs him down. Um, and then in the first battle, is promptly turned into a pincushion by uh, by spears. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. They got they got butchered in this first battle, but not before um, he really takes a liking to Jinsaburo and uh, gives him the ancient armor uh, and sword. Of- well, the, his, his reasoning for that was the, the ancient armor at this point was a relic, like a piece of junk. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. no reason for, for anybody to need it. So they were like, and they were like, you know, sir, how could you give this to a, yeah. to an exile? And he's like, uh, because it's not worth anything anymore. Just let it go. Yeah, it's a symbol though, and he kind of uh, Jinzaburo basically once once this army and the general or um, the general the uh, the daimyo, like you said, gets killed, um, and I guess the general, right? Uh, his the other guy, the the other main his, kind of head. his son, yeah, his son dies right. as well. They, they um, cut off. Uh, that's another thing, real interesting thing. I'm kind of curious to look back at, uh, but apparently at this time. Um, you cut the heads off of uh, your loved ones or, you know, someone's loved ones and you bring them back and that's what you buried was the head because. Uh, yeah, that was interesting. 
Teruhihime, who we haven't mentioned yet, but is the the princess of you know, or the the daughter of this this daimyo, um, and is at at that point the last living uh, heir of that daimyo's family, um, receives both of their heads, uh, which I would think would be terribly dramatic. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. well, I think it was for. Her. I mean, she definitely struggled a bit, but she Terry Teru Teruhihime. Why I never actually tried to say her name before. Teruhi, uh, <laughs> Teruhi, Hime, mm. uh, the princess. Uh, she's just an awesome character. She like really strong. She she <laughs> kind of and gets into the position now where she has to really lead her people because uh, her father's dead. She's and, also um, kind of a creeper. <laughs> yeah, definitely kind of a creeper as well. Uh, which we kind of find out <laughs> throughout the show. She likes to kind of stalk people and spy on them while they're sleeping. <laughs> or at least one certain person, but um, I, I loved her. I, I thought she was she was my favorite character of the season. Yeah, um, she was she was really cute in this show. Um, um, but the show proceeds to kind of go on, and in, in the Mongols, uh, you would think that you would think that the armies, you know, come back and they fight back the Mongols, but. Yeah, that doesn't happen yeah, no. that way. Well, I mean, okay, so Tsushima isn't a huge island, but, you know, for, for their purposes, especially at that time, you know, with no roads, it's very forested, there's a lot of hills and stuff like that. You know, Jinzaburo, um, the best the best they could have done at any point was hold them off. And uh, they do so with guerrilla tactics and a really cool, like, um, uh, like cliff hold. Uh, yeah, that was a really good scene. Yeah, where, where we actually get to see uh, one of the first guns that was invented by the Chinese, who at the time were under Mongol occupation. So um, I really appreciated that little nod. Um, but yeah, they so they they engage in guerrilla tactics. Eventually, they find um, another civilization on another part of the island um, that are. Kind of like the emperor's folks, I guess you could say. They're 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 a lot of people confuse this this period, thinking like that uh, Japan was like everybody followed the emperor because he's you know literally a living god to them at this point, but they really didn't. I, at this point, it's the shogun that runs the show, and the emperor just kind of gets to be emperor, um, and usually was just a puppet for the shogun. Um, like he would say stuff and the Shogun would be like, see, see divine mandate, do what I say. Um, <laughs> but these people specifically were, uh, were like emperor worshipers were, you know, strictly for the emperor and they were on another part of the island. And that's where like the latter half of the show takes place. I want to say, uh, we get these really awesome, like diver chicks, diver assassins. Um, yeah. and, uh. At this point, too, uh, they have been pressed into a very desperate situation. They're losing. I mean, they're they're defying the odds in that they're killing a lot more Mongols than they're losing. Um, but they are just being pushed further and further back to the point where they're kind of their last hope, I think, is to rely on these people. Yeah. Um, and they have and, a stone fort that's not really like the walls are OK. Uh, yeah. But but they've, they've held it for long enough. And the, the one thing I like about this show is that. 
I mean, they really do nod to, you know, guerrilla tactics and how effective they are against an army that A, doesn't know the lay of the land and B, has never seen your tactics before. Um, oh, yeah. Because, you know, the, the Mongols had never fought anything like the Japanese before. They, they were pretty much steamrolling through China um, because the current Chinese dynasty was on its last legs anyway. Um, and they steamed through the rest of the world because of their cavalry. But like Japan's mountainous, you know, nature made uh, their like cavalry blitzkrieg essentially useless. So, um yeah, I, I like the way that they were able to to be like, yeah, see, this is why the Japanese won um, a lot of battles and uh, managed to hold them off for so long was uh, they just didn't know what they were up against. Um, and the same goes for, for that civilization that they find. Um, we do get a couple really good battles um, from that. Yeah. Those people, I forget what they're called. I do too. Um, <laughs> I'm really, I, I finished the show actually quite a while ago and I think a lot of uh, the, the names and stuff are eluding me and the, the names of these well, places. I, I remember but... the, the people and stuff like that, but I mean, I especially liked like there was this, this little romance thing that was going on between Amushi and Sana, like the, the girl oh, from, yeah. from that, yeah, that civilization and Amushi who was a thief, uh, yep. one of the exiles. Uh, and, and along the way, like the, the exiles, come back and you know they do stuff there was a really cool betrayal um that i actually i was really nervous about because it caught me off guard 100 percent off guard oh yeah um, when that character yep. betrayed uh jinzaburo but yeah there was a there was actually a couple there was he was kind of another character was betraying or you know planning on doing uh betrayal and you know you get the impression that this other character who's with him is going to uh you know not really go with it but then he totally turns and goes goes right along with it and i don't want to i don't want to spoil yeah. more than that but um the uh yeah the the end kind of quarter of this show though um damn was it kind of Oh, you're wow. talking about the end? I, yeah, I mean the end, but just kind of the last act of the show yeah. is just very, very uh, uh, hopeless. Yeah, I guess it's, you know, it just... Well, I mean, they're they're pressed at this point. There's very little hope to begin with. I mean, they, they staved off one major attack. There's no way a second one was going to happen. But yeah, so spoilers, 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 spoilers. Skip ahead a little bit. <laughs> In the very last episode... Fucking everyone dies except three people. Yeah. So, and it's it's pretty brutal. But let's not. I mean, I credit where credits due. The Mongols were not known for you know gently taking over places. No. If you surrendered you, to them, they were usually pretty. They, they'd usually offer amnesty, and you'd be you know brought into the fold. But they would just rape all your women. Yeah. No, they were very very rapey and head cut offy. <laughs> they like that shit a lot um now i mean we don't get a whole lot of that it's mostly just death 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 yeah. death 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 and i for what it's worth I, I won't spoil this part but jeff you'll you'll know what i'm talking about i'm glad that what kano did to taro hihime didn't pan out yes, you know what i'm saying yes okay. um that yeah that that was interesting and it definitely played out in in a way that I when was when it happened, happy to I see. was very angry. I was like, 
fuck, fuck everything, fuck this show. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, by the end I was like, okay, good. Does yeah. she die? I, I guess, is that the spoiler? Do you want us to spoil it? I mean, it's a review cast, so you can. I'm not going to watch the show ever, and I want to know. Uh, okay, so. that's true. So, Taro Kiki... Okay, so, spoilers. Skip ahead. Yeah. Now I'm going to spoil it. Spoilers. Um, yeah. There's so timestamps. You can Ka- skip. Kano is, is Taro Kihime's... Uh, kind of like she's like an assassin for her. She's like a, a Kunoichi, and she okay. works for Taro Kihime. Uh, when Kano sees that it's hopeless, because uh-huh. everybody's kind of dying around her, she starts to choke Taro Kihime. And like, I mean, it's pretty graphic, like full on hands around throat, choking her. Like, and Teruhihime, it looks like, you know, death. It turns uh-huh. out Kano just choked her till she passed out, which is totally doable. Should, uh-huh. Trust me. Not that I have uh-huh. any that much experience. Uh, <laughs> what do you call it? Let's, let's get away from this line of questioning. Uh-huh. Uh, yep. uh, so yeah, Kano um, chokes her out. And then like at the very end, Teruhihi may like burst from this little patch of leaves because Kano buried her under leaves so that the Mongols wouldn't find her. So, okay. So, but also Kano also like in her like escape kills a few Mongols and then gets pushed to the ground and her clothes get stripped off. And that's the last we see of her. Oh, great. Yeah. So, okay. Well, again, (laughs) that's what the Mongols, what the Mongols did. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, it wasn't graphic about it, at least. <laughs> no, no, not like another show. Well, we'll talk about it in the I, first impressions <laughs> podcast. Anything that suggests it's not something I want to watch. So <laughs> good to know, though. Um, um, but yeah, so so uh, Jin Zaburo, essentially, like, I've, like at one point in the show, they actually do meet the emperor, and the emperor is like, "If one of you win, if one of you lives, we win. Like, if just if even one person is still alive on the island, we win." And I'm like. That is some specious reasoning, but you are, you are the emperor, so why not? <laughs> um, so yeah, spoilers, spoilers. Jin Zaburo, Teruhime, last. Oh, and technically, because we didn't see her die, uh, Sana is still alive, but unfortunately, Amushi dies, which is really yeah. sad. I felt yep. so bad for her. Yeah, that was a pretty tragic scene for sure, because you, you yeah. almost get the impression that she might save him, but. So it's kind of interesting because uh, we start out with all these exiles and uh, like all of the exiles who had even like at one point thought about leaving or like it, they kind of were punished for it. Like, like, you know, again, spoilers, but all of them die. Um, uh, so they pay for their crimes and, you know, maybe some crimes that they might have committed even while on the island uh, with their lives. Um which is like an interesting, but you know, they did it, you know, in service to the empire, blah, 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 blah. Um, but Jin Zaburo, who's, you know, stuck, stuck it out with everybody, uh, gets to go on living. Um, and he has an, an interesting little backstory there at the, the last episode. I don't know why they waited for the, the end to do it, but like he had a wife and a daughter. Um, and they yeah. die off screen of fever, which, okay. I mean, that does happen, especially at that time. But, um, but yeah, they, they give him this interesting little backstory right at the end. And it's like, we could have put this anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of weird to see that right at the end, but he was just, I mean, I, he probably was a little too OP. I'd say, um, Jin Zaburo, he was just, 
you know, he would go into the middle of, uh, of it was like Dynasty Warriors kind of stuff <laughs> on the battlefield. I mean, he was just, you know, massacring them by, you know, the dozen. And, um, there, there, you know, for the most part, the rest of the characters were, you know, seemed pretty, uh, some of the, what were the, what did you call them? The, um, the criminals, the, uh, exiles, the, the exiles. Thank you. Um, some of them were, were pretty, you know, much more powerful, I think, than the average warriors. But um, Jinzebro was just on a totally other level, which at times kind of made him feel like he was invincible. But um, yeah, no, I mean, he's he's one of those characters. I mean, you see them in in Japanese history because the only record we have is from the Japanese themselves and usually from the winners. Um, yeah, you know, this is what we right. get. So and, and to be fair, you know, like it's the same with uh with uh, ancient roman records a lot of them are painted like a lot of the roman generals are painted in a very you know glowing light yeah for Um, sure so but it was cool Uh, i actually i mean just to kind of close out i really enjoyed this show um yeah i i looked forward to every episode um i thought it the entire story kind of wrapped up really nicely um maybe not nicely and (laughs) yeah yeah that's true actually i didn't even notice it at first and then as soon as i did i couldn't stop seeing it but yeah it had kind of this uh weird dirty filter over the show the entire time um but uh yeah i overall i I thought it was i thought it was a a really fun ride even though it wasn't necessarily the most happy one but um some really cool characters and uh, a cool story so and and it ends on kind of a maybe there'll be more because the Mongol invasion didn't end there, um, and and they very clearly had a a moment like where the Mongols are talking to the big general, you know, the the guy mm-hmm. in charge of everything, and mm-hmm. he's admonishing them for not not killing them all fast enough. Um, so there will be more, probably, hopefully, um, and I actually wouldn't mind more, like because I'd love to know more about this period Definitely. of time through the Japanese. And we eyes. never saw the uh, the Buddhist monk brought his. He never brought his reinforcements. Oh no, no, just thinking don't about you remember that? that? The uh, okay, so he was. I mean, he was posing as a British monk, but he was the lord of of because uh, Tsushima Island did have a daimyo, but uh, that daimyo was a protectorate of another daimyo on the mainland, and. Right, right up there at the end, they're they're loading up their boats with men and provisions to go and reinforce Tsushima, uh, and that guy's father, who is you know the daimyo uh, who's over the Tsushima uh, area, uh, says no, everybody off the boats, provisions off the boats. We're not reinforcing Tsushima. That's right. I do remember that and, episode and now that you mentioned. He's it. like, yep. well, why? And like you know, the son's like, why? And he's like, if we move. And leave, then our area will be um, subject to raids by the Mongols or by rival factions, because you know this is a a fraction period in like Japanese history, and some other daimyo can come and take your stuff while you're gone. So, so what do you think? Um. I I think uh, you should rate it since it's your show, but I'll I'll definitely tell you. <laughs> but I think I think I did I did really enjoy it. I mean, it was pretty much what I was expecting, but I I ended up liking Jinzaburo a lot more than I thought I was going to because it reminds me of characters from Drifters, 
and I mm-hmm. love Drifters, so I give it a four. Yeah, yeah I think a four is where about, about about where it belongs. I would say four point five, but I didn't like the ending, <laughs> and maybe that's how it does like wrap up historically. <laughs> but really, everybody, yeah. okay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think a four is appropriate. Yeah, how was the filter? Towards the end, I don't even remember thinking about it too much. No, if it was, I, even I didn't there. notice it most of the time. But um, and when I did notice it, it was kind of annoying. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Anglemoise, Mongol invasion, more more historic anime. I would very much appreciate yeah, that. Absolutely, I enjoyed it. I've actually been listening to like a lot of historic podcasts and like um. One about revolutions that where I've been recently covering the Mexican Revolution and and one on um, British history where I've just gotten into the the Roman occupation of of uh, the British Isles. I would love to see the like those histories in anime form, like what they think of, because you know they wouldn't be writing from a probably biased perspective. You know, like I doubt that they had any horse in the Mexican Revolution, so I think that'd be pretty cool. Anyway, my little tangent out of the out of the way. Uh, the next show <laughs> is uh, another one that I drafted. Uh, this one is Hataraku Saibo or Cells at Work um, by David Productions, licensed by Aniplex of America, so we can look forward to owning it in two sets. Um, <laughs> two hundred dollars each. Two hundred dollars each. Thank you, Aniplex. May I have another? <laughs> this uh this show uh follows uh your cells and my cells as they work inside the human body to uh deliver oxygen and nutrients and to the various organs that keep us going and um viciously destroy <laughs> the bacteria that try to invade our body uh it's a very episodic show and like very educational um we mostly follow a red blood cell uh, whose name is literally red blood cell AE3803. <laughs> In Japanese, Sekakyu or Sekakyu uh, AE, I don't know, uh, Sanhachi Zero San. That's the best I got. Um, and we also follow somewhat uh, a white blood cell. Again, white blood cell U-1146. I'm not going to call them that. I'm just going to call them white blood cell and red blood cell. And yeah, each episode, the, the body undergoes some form of uh, stimuli or, or uh, issue, um, beginning with um, uh, a bacterial infection or bac- well, I, think, I think it's just like germs and stuff like that where uh, we learn how sneezing works to trap those bacteria and eject them from our body. Um, going all the way to the very end, kind of spoilery, but man, you should really watch the show. Like, spoilers or not. Um, going all the way to the very end where the body undergoes massive blood loss, like a huge um, wound. So this guy's losing just a ton of blood. Uh, and how um, blood transfusions work which uh, I can think of a few islands uh, and a few places in this world that could really use that education because they think that (laughs) somehow blood transfusion is of the devil. Um, (laughs) 
seriously, like that's that's the one. I'm sorry, I'm not. I won't get up on my soapbox, but yeah, just don't be that stupid. Um, yeah, so like we get the functions of all these different cells, and it's it's really fascinating. I mean, um, and they do it, you know, in a very anime way. That's that should be if you have if you haven't watched this show. As an anime fan, if you're even mildly interesting in educating or like in like semi-educational like facts and stuff like that, like you really love this show. I mean, we go through allergies, which I learned is just the body's like way over reaction to external stimuli that are, you know, allergens. Um, so it's like the allergens aren't even really doing anything. Your body's just freaking the fuck out um, to like even cancer. Like there's even a, an episode on cancer, which is actually a little odd, but I mean, it, it does, you know, very well explain how that happens and how your body actually can fight off cancer cells and stuff like that. It's just sometimes doesn't work as well as you'd like it to. Uh, and also some of the lesser known cells, um, uh, like apparently we have a, uh, a type of white blood cell in us or a type of, uh, um, you know, yeah, I guess I see a type of white blood cell in us that that is specifically for parasites. Who knew? I didn't. <laughs> I kind of figured if you got a parasite, you were fucked. Um, uh, the different ways that like different uh, cells can work, like macrophages can leave. Um, I forget where they were. Pancreas, liver. Someone help me out. Um, <laughs> and no and, idea, man. <laughs> <laughs> we need a doctor. Is there a doctor in the house? <laughs> uh yeah but it, it's it's really fascinating I, I can't i don't really want to give every episode away but i just i love the explanations because i i like learning outside of the classroom i like I, i'll be on youtube sometimes while i'm playing video games with interesting history youtube channels up and you know the guys talking in my ear about most recently like Tina on the discord posted a, a video of of the aztec uh fight against cortez and the conquistadors and i had that going while i was playing a game so if you're like me and you like that kind of stuff like this one's really interesting and there's also kind of a pseudo romance between a white blood cell and a and a, and a red blood cell which is <laughs> that's funny interesting <laughs> so you know <laughs> apparently like like the the, the meme goes that like there our cells are are dating and and I can't even get one out here. So <laughs> <laughs> too true. <laughs> too true. <laughs> um, yeah, it. I I loved it. it. You didn't. You didn't even mention the most important character. You mean platelets? Yes. Yeah. Those they have to be experienced, but <laughs> because they're you have to experience how adorable that character is. I th- believe it's the second episode too where, where we get what platelets do and I had no idea because again I'm not a biology or anatomy person. I quite frankly find our insides to be gross um, <laughs> and I'm ashamed to have them. <laughs> Just joking. Please keep working. <laughs> um, you hear that liver? Yeah. Please keep, you especially, good lord please keep working. I'm sorry I punish you all the time. Um yeah, no, it's and and the way they they present like facts and stuff. But yeah, like the 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 platelets a little bit where I had no idea that's that's how that worked. How a cut gets mended. Um, I mean, I had a vague idea, but now I know for certain that it's uh, lollies inside my body who are patching. Yeah, just adorable little girls <laughs> and boys. 
they're they're oh, they're boy okay. platelets. Yeah, they're all pretty cute. Um, I, I, there's so many platelets at at Crunchyroll Expo too. <laughs> um, it's also uh, interesting to note that I believe, and what do you call it? Um, Cube and or B tag are probably going to kill me for this, but the director question mark was involved with JoJo's or the character designer or something. Studio is for sure. Uh, I, I believe it was someone on production as well. Hmm. Um, because oh boy, does it show in some places, which is which isn't to its discredit. I actually do like the the JoJo's aesthetic. It's just uh, JoJo's sometimes is a bit over the top for me. Um. I'll eventually get back into it. Eventually. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's so like over the top action uh, to display what's going on in our body and, you know, cute platelets like this show really has it all. It's it is one of my favorite shows from this season. And honestly, I can't give it anything less than a five because I think, oh, wow. yeah, I, I but that's OK. Take that. With the caveat that I am uh-huh. a weirdo who likes educational shit, <laughs> so I, who I I will I will like I listen to pretty much like if it's not us or otaku spirit, it's something that's teaching me something that I'm going to forget eventually, but I enjoy because at the moment I'm like, oh, that's interesting, yeah, and maybe I can use that in conversation to sound more interesting than I actually. Am. I'm sorry, I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, it was the the director who worked on JoJo. Yes, I'm so good at this. I'm so good at podcasting. <laughs> uh, now, now I feel like Phil, and now I'm sad, and now we should yeah, move on. Wow. Okay. <laughs> we have one more, one more, um, and that is not a show that I drafted initially, but one that I decided to pick up after one of my shows did not get broadcast anywhere um and that anime is review starlight or i think the the full name is uh shoujo kageki review starlight um and it is the story of a girl named karen who attends this um kind of music high school um i think it's called seisho music academy yeah, Seisho Music Academy as part of the 99th graduating class. And uh, there are two sides to the school. There's the production side and then there's the talent side. And she is on the talent side. And in her class um, are a, a number of other uh, aspiring uh, actresses, um, dancers, etc. Um, and... They, every, or I guess it's not this for every class, but they decide to put on a play called um, The Starlight, uh, which they did the previous year. And so they are kind of practicing for that. There's um, a large cast of characters and there's a lot of different relationships that we'll kind of get into as we go along here. But um, Karen is our, our main character and... A, another girl named Hikari, who Karen made a promise with at a young age to perform the starlight with her someday, um, transfers in 
all of a sudden, out of nowhere, after uh, attending a prestigious school in London. Um, so Hikari shows up, and that's where things start to kind of take an interesting turn as... Um, I don't, does Karen get a text? Um, so Hikari gets a text, right? Hikari is, yeah, Hikari is the one who's participating mm-hmm. in the event. I don't think I don't, Karen does. I think Karen follows, does she follow Karen follows Hikari, and that's how okay. she gets into the um, crazy madhouse. <laughs> yeah, this madhouse that is the review, uh, which is we come to find a, um, I guess a competition between all the girls in this 99th class, or at least the chosen one, the chosen eight, I believe is how it's supposed to be, um, for to become the, the, the top star and to get a wish granted to them for whatever they want by this giraffe that seems to run the show. Kirin. Kirin. Wakarimasu. Wakarimasu. Um, and so uh, Karen wanders into this huge stadium uh, that seems to be underground. Who knows how it's there or why it's there. And she sees uh, Hikari, who has been, upon returning, has been very kind of like cold and distant from her. Uh, we come to find out that she doesn't want Karen to get involved in uh, the review. Hmm. So she's kind of keeping her at an arm's length to kind of dissuade her um, from finding out about this kind of thing. But she finds out about it. Uh, Hikari is fighting. I, yeah, I don't yeah, know. No, let's it? get into the reviews. Oh my god, this yeah. is the best. Okay, so so yeah, yeah. Go ahead, <laughs> take it away. No, no, you take <laughs> okay, it away. So they are fight your, singing. Your favorite character, yeah. Fuck, is it good? Oh my god, yeah. It's like, it's a performance art with actual combat, and oh my god, the transformation sequence in the show so is fucking good. incredible. Like, they, they come, like, the especially Karen's, the I Am Reborn bit, oh my god, yes. it got me going every single time. But every every introduction with, like, the lights and the theatrics, yeah. it, like, it gives me chills yeah, it, every single it's, time. It is really, it's incredible. I, it has to be seen... To, to be understood like if you if you're if you like to you know listen to us before you you dive into a show if, if anything like even if like at the end of this you're like oh, it doesn't sound like it was for me check out the transformation sequence because essentially it, it's a it's a it's almost like a magical girl-esque transformation kind of not really mm-hmm. but like in a way that's it's just crazy because they, they make the the uniform for you right there yeah and it's like the production value of that transformation sequence is off the chart. It's it's truly one of the best like single sequences of animation I've ever seen. Um But yeah, so Hikari is in this battle with a girl named Juna, uh, who's another girl in their class. Um Hikari fights with like a dagger on a rope. Mm-hmm. Um Juna fights with a bow and arrow. And yeah, it's just like this kind of like back and forth singing, um, dancing, like the, the stage that they're on is like constantly changing and evolving. And it, it's like this big circle in the middle of like a sunken theater kind of and thing. It looks like Tokyo Tower, like yeah. always, always in oh, the background. Yeah, it's always in the background. Yeah. yeah. But, but the, um, the, the, the stages change 
based on which girls are fighting and usually based on which girl is is, is front and center for that episode. For sure, um, yeah, because they all have a different name, like the Review of Sorrow or the Review yeah, oh, of that, Jealousy. I loved that. I loved that, that that they couched it that way. It was so good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, yeah, everything about this show is just so, so cool. So, so yeah, uh, Hikari, like now, I'm sorry, not Hikari, um, Kata, now that, that um, Hikari is here, is trying mm-hmm. to work her way up uh, the uh, the review and uh, like slowly we're, 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 we're through these performances, working through the girl's problems. Um, yeah. And each girl so, is like a, a, almost like a different sin or like a different issue. Yeah, different. Yeah, different issue, different uh, emotion, mm-hmm. I guess, is how I would say it. Like Juna, I think, is like angry. Yeah, I guess she's um, she's determined, but deter- like so determined that like her determination has turned into rage is, because is, she's yeah she's not understanding she's why she, it. yeah she's not understanding why she's not moving uh, any higher despite her yeah like effort. yeah it's like the the con- like you're trying too hard mm-hmm. kind of a thing, um, and so while Juna and Hikari are having their fight, Karen busts in and. Uh, <laughs> like leaps off of the giraffe <laughs> down onto the stage. That's where we get the transformation sequence. And she kind of throws this entire competition into chaos mm-hmm. um, because it's only supposed to be eight people, but the mysterious giraffe does his little, you know, sexy mysterious voice talk. And he <laughs> says, and allows her to, uh, participate in the event which uh hikari is kind of devastated by because <laughs> that was like her entire goal was to make sure that uh karen stayed out of this um so i was wondering how they were going to handle um like post fight kind of stuff because one thing that it gets said early on is that if you lose this competition the thing most important to being a stage girl gets stolen from you. Yeah, but they don't say when. They don't say when. Yeah, so I like like post fight every everything just kind of works out. So like everybody's yeah. kind of happy after their fight, or happier after their fights. Because like yeah, all these girls kind of come out of these fights with a little bit of clarity. Mm-hmm. Like they they see the the faults in themselves um, and how they can kind of work on themselves to kind of grow as stage performers and uh, as people in general. So. That was really cool. Um, I ooh, who was the next fight? Mihar, uh, no, not Ma- Maharu. Actually, Ma- no, yeah, Mah- Mihiro. Mihiro was next, um, and and she yeah, was we get the Juno one early, mm-hmm. and then I think it's a couple kind of like oh, uh, she, they they uh, Karen loses to oh, Maya, Maya, and that's because Maya is like the top dog at this school. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the way the kind of bracket works is, I think if you lose to if you're on the bottom and you lose, then you're out. Mm-hmm. Um, because Karen loses to Maya, but she's still in the competition because she wasn't, because she beat Juna. So she wasn't at the very bottom. Um, and then it's Mahiru who is uh, feeling jealous. Like confidence. Yeah. It's like a confidence and jealousy thing. Yeah. She wants Karen to rely on her, but since Hikari came, uh, all of Karen's attention has kind of turned toward Hikari, kind of leaving uh, Mahiru lonely and yeah, jealous of the attention that used to be on her. Um, and so they kind of fight that out. And Mahiru, you know, figures out that 
she is able to, you know, help a lot of people in a lot of different ways that she just wasn't noticing because she was so focused on being uh, the most important thing for Karen. Well, that and like the reason she wanted to be the most important thing for Karen is like she was in her hometown, a, uh, a big fish in a small pond. Um, yeah. Whereas when she came to Tokyo to this prestigious school, there were multiple girls like her who were just as yeah. talented, if not more talented than her. So mm-hmm. she felt that she, she was also, an imposter. Yeah. And she also didn't know that she was doing this for anything other than to please her grandma. Mm-hmm. You know, she she wasn't sure why she was even here to begin with. Um, so that was good. Uh, I think then we get. Karoko and Futaba. Yeah, we kind of get a lot of like a lot of uh, interaction. Like while the main fight's going on, we see a lot of like these glimpses of the other fights of these girls mm-hmm. uh, that are having. And so there's a lot of uh, drama there. But yeah, we get into Karoko and Futaba's kind of relationship. Um, Karoko's a like uh, a rich girl from a uh, like a prestigious dancing family i think mm-hmm. um either her mom or traditional her dance like, yeah traditional dance a japanese dance master um and so she's very high class um and the attention is always on her and futaba is like her childhood friend that kind of helped her escape from the spotlight uh when she needed it bought her snacks um did so kind of like semi unwillingly or always kind of held a grudge that uh she was being treated as like kind of like the servant mm-hmm. for uh Karuko. Um so they kind of have a little fight and because Karuko thinks that, you know, Futaba's there just to kind of help her on her way to greatness, but Futaba decides that she wants to be great herself and steps away from uh, her kind of uh, relationship with Kauriko, her friendship, to kind of see if she can do it on her own. Um, Their episode was pretty cute. Yeah, yeah, it was good. <laughs> I love it. Kauriko was one of my favorite characters. <laughs> um, she's uh, super sleepy, does not want to wake up in the morning. Very relatable. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let me see. Do, do, do. After that, we get the, well, na- the the Nana saga. Yes, which that was like the biggest surprise for me. I actually loved it, though. Oh, I, loved I was it, so absolutely. surprised. And like everything they did with it was a surprise, but also really good. So uh, her name is Nana Daiba, but in Japanese, you would say Daiba Nana. So yeah. it sounds like big banana and she's actually tall so banana works. <laughs> she's everyone's big banana yeah um she's this really cute like bubbly girl who just is like really nice to everybody but we find out like uh, towards the middle of the season that she's actually won the review before multiple times and that every- like they they hint like hundreds if not thousands yeah. of times. We're, we're talking homoda levels of of you know of time reversals because her wish is that she loved the starlight that they did in their freshman year so much that she believed it to be the pinnacle of stage play. Mm. 
and she wanted to capture that stage again and protect over it. Over and over again. So mm-hmm. her wish was to experience it over and over again. Yeah. Um, and he and Hikari so like, coming in threw a wrench into that. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I guess we can get into Hikari in a little bit and why uh, the wrench was thrown in there. But yeah, I love the just kind of like seeing the the first instance of uh, Nana going back. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, she's confused as to what's even happening. And then she just gets more and more. Uh, she gets, it's just like a stage play. Her lines get rehearsed over and over until it's like perfectly the same every time. Yeah, she knows exactly what she's saying. Um, and I, I like, it was so interesting because you didn't expect that from her character. It came out of left field. Um, but the. I'm not sure if you remember, but at the the ending of episode seven, when we find that out about her, do you remember that there wasn't an ED? Um, she doesn't sing. We just see pictures. There's no lyrics. Oh, really? I'm like, that's brilliant because Nana doesn't want this, doesn't ever want to attend. And I'm like, that is the, like the coolest, I, I don't know. I was blown away by that. I'm like, that is the coolest way to end. It's just like by giving her that character is it because her whole thing was she was terrified of change. She didn't want it. She she wanted to live her life in this perfect year or in this what she thought was like a perfect, you know, not even year, but like, you know, area of time where they they have their uh, their 99th stage play. And it's just like that little subtle thing. I was like, oh, that's so good. I mean, I was sad because I love that ending song, but. You know, I didn't get to hear it, but I'm like, that is the best way to characterize her, like subtly through some through something else, through the ED. Like nobody ever, well, not nobody, but few shows use the ED like that, and I really appreciated it. Yeah, and it's just such an interesting, like her her character is so two sided mm-hmm. because in you know everyday life she's just such an unassuming, uh, like unthreatening. Um, caring person who you know doesn't seem to want to have the spotlight doesn't want to step on anyone's toes i think she like even steps away from this the play itself yeah to well, she, be, like, she, the, the stage right yeah she becomes a, a like a junior screenwriter um but apparently she's just like she dominates everyone in these uh fights mm-hmm. that happen which is just so so interesting to me like she handily defeats maya who's like the top girl um yeah i don't know it's just really really interesting stuff um but yeah hikari comes into the scene and throws everything off for her um and we find out that the same competition the the review has been happening at uh the school that she was attending in in uh, In london Mm -hmm. yeah and she lost she lost and this is when we find out that what you lose when you uh participate in the review and lose is you lose your your sparkle your your drive as a stage girl um you begin to question why you're even doing what you're doing there is no improvement necessarily yeah you essentially plateau at that point because um in order to get a wish granted the I guess the giraffe requires the um the the shine of all of the girls participating in the review. So in order to grant the the wish of the best, everyone else has to suffer and ruin their chances at 
becoming, you know, anything more than like an average. Which I just uh, I thought was a girl. brilliant metaphor for the idea that like you know a lot of famous people get to where they're at by stepping off by stepping yeah. over people, and it's like yeah, yeah. that's I love the metaphor, loved it. It's it was so good. Um, but Hikari kind of comes to that realization, remembers her promise to Karen that they would perform on the starlight together and tracks down the giraffe and points out that the giraffe maybe perhaps didn't lie, uh, but was negligent in not informing her of the consequences of losing. Um, and so the giraffe, you know, sensing her resolve, um, decides to give her another opportunity to uh, win the competition by having her attend the, the Japanese um, review mm-hmm. and attend the school. So, um, And then we get the duet. And then we get, I'm trying to remember if there's anything else. Um, yeah. I think that's, I think, I think that's it. Yeah. That's the, yeah, that's like all the, we get a, I think, a, kind of like a refresh, you know, everything, everything happened with all this in mind. And then, yeah, we get the kind of the, the finals in quotes, um, which is thrown into chaos because Karen's here and now there are nine girls instead of eight. So what would have been kind of a, I guess, three, uh, three-way battle for first place is now a four-person battle for first place. And so they kind of split off into pairs and we get Maya and uh, Claudine, Claudine, who's the, uh, we haven't even like really discussed these characters. Maya is like the, the top girl at the school. Um, she's the best at everything. Uh, Claudine's the second fiddle to Maya. And uh, that, you know, that haunts Claudine because she, you know, always grew up being the best and to, to attend the school and to be outshone always was a rough thing for her to, to accept. Uh, but we find that, you know, over the course of the show, um, they've kind of worked on their relationship. And so they pair up in this final battle um, against Hikari and Karen. And... I, it was really good. Mm-hmm. I really, really the duet was uh, fantastic. Enjoyed that fight. Yeah. Um, it ended with Karen and uh, Hikari winning. Um, I was it Karen who cut off Maya's. Uh, uh it was yeah, it was Karen. Kate? Karen who cut off. Um, yeah, I believe I it was Maya. We, we haven't even mentioned that the how you win these battles is you have to. Cut the button off of the cape. Oh, it's like a jacket. All these girls are wearing. It's, yeah, yeah, they're wearing like they're wearing their jacket, and it's like secured with like this almost like brooch type button. Yeah. So you have to cut that off so it falls off, mm-hmm. and then you win. It's not a fight to the death. Um, no, no. I would not be as high on the show if it was. <laughs> it's a very different um, show. Uh. So yeah, Karen and Hikari win. Uh. But Hikari's fear comes to fruition as the giraffe informs them that there can only be one winner and that they have to fight each other. And before Karen can even really comprehend what's going on, Hikari cuts her button off, claiming the top spot is her own, the zero position. Oh, we haven't even mentioned and, that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, we'll, I'll, we'll get to that. I'll, I'll talk a little bit yeah. more about that a little later. Um, and so Hikari wins the competition and I don't know if we ever, do we get what her wish is? So from what I could like gather from that, her wish yeah. was to keep, was to just not have a wish, was to just stay there indefinitely. And, and because the giraffe thing was like, he wanted to be amused. He wanted to see a, the, the, yeah, the un unthinkable the yeah the out of the ordinary situation he wanted he wanted a stage that could not be comprehended so she she essentially is like i'll lock myself in here and continually put on a like a really shitty a really sad rendition of starlight just a one person show over and over and over again as long as you let them keep their shine and nothing happens yeah. to them um so, uh, so she disappears from her school and yeah, this she dropped out um, in quotes because I'm sure it wasn't her that submitted that form, even though it had her stamp or whatever. Um, and yeah, we get kind of like time skips as Karen continuously look is, uh, looks for Hikari, mm-hmm. but can't find her. And I think it's like something like nine months later. Yeah, they're, they're, they're working on like the next version of Starlight. Yeah. And um, Karen's like not not into it because Hikari's still missing. Yeah, she's like the entire reason that she wanted to do Starlight was because Hikari uh made that promise with her and now Hikari disappeared without so much as a word. And so her the the thing that Hikari was trying to protect in Karen's shine, her motivation was was gone. Yeah. Um as a result of her choice. So Karen kind of like goes to where uh or tries to go to where the the performances were happening which is like normally i think it's just this door uh or this wall like this little yeah, normally it's a wall but like it'll transform into like into, into an, an elevator. elevator yeah and when she opens it it's a staircase yeah, it's very weird. Um, but yeah, she like she starts hammering on this wall with like a crowbar, a, a crowbar mm-hmm. trying to get through, trying to get down into uh, this uh, this theater. And her, I guess, you know, her passion, her desire for getting to Hikari activates whatever, you know, whatever thing this is um, and allows her in. And we get kind of like the sequence of her walking and talking with all the other members of the competition um, and them like saying, you know, bring her home. Yeah. You, you know, we'll be waiting for you. Usually about like what they what their thing was too, what their yeah, their hang up sure. was. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciated that little that little montage, well, little scene. It wasn't a montage. Um, yeah. And then we got uh, Karen actually getting to Hikari, who is, you know, on the stage continually constructing a tower out of out of stars only for it to be demolished and her to have to start over again yeah so very sisyphean um yeah it was that's it was hell essentially for all intents and purposes um stuck in this rut forever unable to to change anything um but karen keeps kind of pleading with uh, hikari who uh, is ignoring Karen or trying to anyways. Um, eventually she gives in 
and calls Karen an idiot. <laughs> and we come to find out that her, I guess, penance for her wish was that she had to continue to recite Starlight. The line, yeah, recite the Starlight by herself forever um, or until she died, or I don't know what would really have happened. She didn't seem to need to. She did not seem to need to eat or sleep or anything like that. It was a very weird situation. Um, but she stops reciting the lines to call Karen an idiot. And the giraffe, you know, says that she failed. And so this big hole opens up in the the desert that they're in. And it starts to lower uh, Hikari to some end, I'm sure. Uh, but Karen's just like, no, screw this. I'm coming in after you and jumps down the hole. Um, we get the transformation sequence again. And then they fight again. Um, and then Karen wins. And I don't know if we really get any sort of true uh, picture of what her wish is or like or what happens even like what happens to so the so she what happens okay, to the world so again this is me a analyzing so it's not yes. it's not 100 percent. but from mm -hmm. what i saw karen's like so what do you call it hikari's reciting starlight which is is a tragedy i mean it's yes. always going to end oh yes it's always going to end poorly Oh, that's right. Because yeah, at first she loses. But Ka Karen loses again. Karen, Karen, like like from her first act of jumping into the review to this last act of defiance is her constantly being that like uh, the type of character who rejects that kind of ending. Who yeah. you know, despite who wants the happy, who, ending. despite odds, will fight for the happy ending, like uh, against yeah. all odds, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the, like the giraffe, for his part, like I love this bit. I really, really yeah, did. It's so good. He says, he says, I get it. Like he, you know, obviously, Wakarimas is just like constantly says, I understand. I understand. Yeah, <laughs> just because he's he's like it's our fault. Like you, like he actually breaks the fourth wall in he the looks. Yeah, he looks at in you. the best way possible. Like I, I love when so Deadpool good. breaks the fourth wall because it's funny. But this is yeah. the best. He's essentially he essentially says he blames. Yeah, us. he's like it's your fault and my fault that they're going through this. This would never happen. No conflict would ever happen if you weren't watching. And I'm like, fuck. God damn it. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. It's not that profound if you really think about it. But in the moment, you're just like, God damn, that's good. That is some good yeah. writing right there. And, and, <laughs> and, and this is where I came to realize when they say, every time the position, uh, every time the, the fight ends, they yell, position zero, their name, and because they won the fight. And I was like, fuck. The whole time, we were mostly watching the main characters in position zero. Position zero being center stage, your focal point. So yes, if we weren't watching them, they wouldn't be the main characters. And there would be very little reason for all this conflict in their lives. And so it's like, your fault is placing the blame. Like, even the scriptwriter, if nobody sees it, there's no story. So it's just, yeah. I was like... Damn, that is some fucking amazing writing. And man, do I feel like an asshole now for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, it's, it's so good. But and God yeah, the damn. way they kind of they conclude that fight is pretty incredible with yeah, kind of Karen rising from the ashes. Um and the the Tokyo Tower kind of like 
being jettisoned through their stage so that she can reach Hikari. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can end this fight for good. And then together at the, at the very end, we get uh, the, the girls like they'd been talking about uh, this new script that they'd been writing. And you find out that they had essentially written a follow up to Starlight uh, with a happier ending where the, yeah. the goddesses uh, in the play actually do meet each other and and you know and and like the the whole thing again analytic or an, analyzing maybe a little too much but is like you don't have to step over people to be successful like people can be successful together maybe some people get there a little sooner than others but you don't have to feel like you were trounced upon just because someone got there before you did and i'm like mm-hmm. mm, that's such good storytelling and such a good message yeah i, I by the end of it, like I was, like I, I probably would have stood up and applauded if, if, yeah. <laughs> if I could have. <laughs> oh man, it's it. It was truly a treat to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I. Yeah. I'm glad I finished it. I because we I like yeah. you at home don't know this, but I mean now you do now you're going to. Uh, we were actually going to record <laughs> yesterday, but I hadn't finished review Starlight yet. I am very glad I did because I, and I got to finish Angle Moise as well. And we rent Sukumogami. But besides the point. Uh I'm glad <laughs> I did because this this has absolutely been my show of the season. Um for sure. I I I, I need this on Blu-ray. Yeah. I, I need the CDs. Like I've been list like today I went to class. Like I have if, if you have any YouTube, by the way. Whole things on on Anuta. I've been listening to it. Oh man, the music's non-stop. so good. Um, yeah. one thing too, amazing cast, and a lot of them. I was I was looking at it uh, the whole time I was watching. So many new talents, and if yeah, this is there, there's, if this is their first thing, mm-hmm. like, and they're also good at singing. I can't wait to see what they do later. Yeah, I mean, there are some some big hitters. Um, Mimorin from Love yeah. Life. Uh, she played Umi. Minata Sato. Uh, also from Love uh, Life. She played um, yeah. uh, uh, Sarah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Aina Aiba. Oh, I'm sorry. She played Rhea. Yeah. Rhea, Rhea, Rhea. Sorry. Sarah's Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was thinking of someone else. Anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah Aina Aiba. Uh, Aina Aiba. Mm-hmm. Bang Dream. Um, but yeah, a lot of new talent. So it was really really cool to see yeah i i um just as a like quick caveat i don't like musicals i really no do not like musicals but man is the music and the fights that go along with them just so good yeah i i guess i i don't have i i like musicals well enough i guess but the the theatrics and the 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 tension and the mystery surround like surrounding the story and everything man it was just so good it was so well done um, the transformation sequence is incredible and the characters are just fun. It's just a fun show. And man, if, I, if, it, like, if it was just cute girls doing stuff like, like, like theater stuff, this probably still would have gotten a decent score for me. But like what drives it home is it's cute girls and metaphor. And I fucking love it. Yeah. Oh. And oh, man, I think that we don't know what happens to the giraffe. We have no idea. Yeah. Like no. they, they end the show by having a party and then doing the new play. Um, we'd never see what happens to the giraffe. So I am all for another 
like a new cast of characters kind of, you know, doing the same thing, but maybe subverting, you know, the giraffe in new and interesting ways. I would love more. Just give me, give me more. <laughs> the thing is, too, um, I'm not sure. Was this one? This wasn't. This isn't a. Um, where am I going to say? This isn't a mobile game, is it? Uh, they have made a mobile game for it. Okay, okay. Because um, if this was an adaptation, but, I'm like, this is probably the best adaptation I've ever seen. But if it, if it's coming uh, after the fact, no. then. So the, there were a few manga that started in January, mm. but. I'm, I have to assume that this show was in production, at least from that point as yeah, well. Yeah, because I follow, I follow uh, Mimorin and, and Sato Hinata on, on Twitter, and, and I've been seeing there's a lot of pictures of them with the rest of the cast in in their outfits from, in their from outfits. the show. Yeah. And I'm like... Oh, man, the outfits are so good, too. Yeah. The, yeah. It's almost like a... Like um, a how do you say it? Um like an old military like uniform. A, yeah, I was gonna say like uh like in like a European military uniform. Yeah. Uh it's like the brass button. Nineteenth century like, like European military uniforms. With skirts. Yeah. Here I'll I'll post a picture in our chat for you to see, Jeff, so you can see what we're talking about. Um, I'm actually looking at it in the in the oh, mouth. Yeah. yeah. It's a, a it's a Busher Road thing, so uh Sentai Filmworks um, also has this, so we can expect a Blu-ray, but please, please, special edition. Yeah, give it some love. Yeah, yes, like please. really give this show some love because goddamn is it good. And goddamn does it deserve it. Yeah, uh, I watched a good chunk of this anime dubbed. Uh, so for those who like dubs, uh, it's a really good one. The The cast is really cool. Um, a lot of names I hadn't seen before, which is also awesome. So give that a look on high dive if uh, you would like to see the dub or the sub because that's the only place to watch it but i think it goes without saying that this is an easy five out of five for me yeah um it's a truly special anime and it came out of nowhere so review starlight five out of five for me yeah it's a, no it's, a, you, it's a five for me <laughs> like, <laughs> like the, the writing in this show was way more than I was expecting. I honestly like this was a show that I it was up in the air for me. Like I was like early mm-hmm. on, I was like, OK, this is really good, but it's going to be it's going to really hinge on the ending, whether or not I say this is a, a, like an excellent yeah. show or a middling show. But yeah, it's <laughs> knocked it out of the park. Um, I have no idea how it has a lower score than Grand Blue Dreaming on my anime list. I, I don't know. Yeah, 7.72. Which is good, but not not great. Uh, it deserves much higher than that. Yeah, uh, maybe not enough people watch it because it was on high dev. It's possible. Yeah, but for me, um, it's incredible, and I I would honestly watch this again. I could watch this a few times over. Yeah, I will definitely watch it when uh, ever they release the Blu-rays because I need to see that transformation sequence over and over uh, in high dive. Uh, high def. I'm gonna have to put this on our. On our watch along list, if when my show, oh, whenever yes. my show gets gets nominated, force people to watch yeah. it. Um, but yeah, that's it. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we didn't do this yesterday, and that you could catch up because I'm glad I had someone to talk to yeah. about it. No, it's it's outstanding, and I can't wait for Blu-rays. Oh, really, really yep. cannot wait. Honestly, yeah. But, or uh, that or figures. <laughs> That too. Oh my god, I would love a Maya mm, figure. I just, I just thought about it. Like I was like, oh my god, what if they do figures? I will lose all my money. Oh man! <laughs> oh, See no. the the crown, the crown. I, I love the crown. 
I love characters yeah. with little crowns. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Karen has a crown. Uh, Hikari has like two stars uh, for hairpins. I think it's Nana um, who has the crown. Is she the main one? Uh, no, Karen. Karen's the yeah, main Karen. one. She's got okay. uh, Nana has like banana hair. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, she really owns the, the, the big banana. She really owns the banana thing. Banana yeah. nice. Banana nice. Or banana nice. Uh, um, banana nice. Yeah. Uh, who's your favorite, Carlos? Just so we can get that. Real quick. <sighs> You're gonna make me choose. Yeah, boy. Uh, I'll, uh, Maya was my favorite. Maya? Hmm. I I Maya. honestly I really really liked Maya. I, I honestly thought that you were gonna go for uh Claudine, but uh, I, I liked Claudine as well, just because she's blonde. What are you trying to yeah, say? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> she's my like third favorite. They're all great, though. <sighs> there wasn't a bad one. For me, I liked Futaba, I liked yeah. Mahiru, and I liked Jonah. Uh-huh. Those were my three favorites. If I had to pick between the three, <laughs> God, that's hard. I think... Man. <sighs> I like how we have completely different top threes. Yeah. No, I mean, just... I Because I, I like the minds Maya, Kaoriko, and uh, Claudine. I mean, I, I sympathized a lot with Jenna and, and Mahiru and, sure. and Futaba. Like I kind of sympathize with her for the same reason I sympathize with Jonah because Futaba's thing was, why are you getting mad at me for trying to be as good as you and then surpassing yeah. you when you could be putting in this much effort as well? And I'm like, yes, thank you. you sh- she should be, you know, and be even more grateful to you since you drive her to school and buy her food. Um, yeah, so those are those are my three favorite. But um, oh, uh, Kaoriko's VA is in Bang Dream as well. Who? Uh, oh, Kaoriko's Ayasa Ito. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, we need to yeah. stop. stop. Stop gushing. Uh, that is it. We're done. No more. No more of the season. Uh, a very up and down season for us. Some high highs, but definitely some low lows, and a lot of middling uh, opinions. But I'm uh, yeah. I'm going to miss a couple of the shows, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. There are shows I'll miss, but there are shows that I've, I'm very glad to put in my rearview mirror. Yeah. For sure. This was the season of Steins Gate Zero, a season I looked forward to for a long time. I, um, I only wish that it was as good as the original. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. A lot of what could have beens. Yeah, there was a lot of disappointment this season, I think. Yeah. But if you would like to uh, get a hold of us and share your opinions about the anime that we discussed, you can find us on Twitter at anime underscore arcade. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash anime arcade. We are on Instagram at the underscore anime underscore arcade. Our email is mail.animearcade at gmail.com. Um, our website is animearcade.net. Hit us up on any of those, and we can uh, we can get you an invite to our Discord, <laughs> where we have a lot of fun, play a lot of games, watch a lot of anime. Um, we're in the middle of our Steins Gate. I can't talk anymore. <laughs> Steins Gate uh, watch along. There's through 14 currently. It'll probably be more by the time uh, this goes up, but. Uh, hop in, uh, su- suggest an anime for the community to watch, and then we'll uh, maybe vote on it. Saturdays at 5 p.m. PST. Oh, nice. You nailed mm-hmm. it. Um, 
But yeah, I think that's going to do it for now. Uh, watch Worlds, root for C9, root for Team Liquid, root for EU. 100 Thieves. Um, 100 Thieves? Well, we'll yeah, see. I know. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, look forward to our first impressions for the, uh, the fall season. A lot of really good anime. Uh, I think a huge step up in uh, quantity of quality anime, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, from the summer season. So I'm very excited to talk about that stuff with you guys. Uh, but until then, that's it for us. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you later. Catch you next time. See you next time. Bye.